The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope to make it a good one. Hope to give you a slew of winners. Our handicapper, no stranger to these airwaves, the on, the only the man I admire, Ed Meyer. And before Ed Meyer, we're going to get to talk to a guy that kind of flies under the radar, though I think uh, the screen is starting to bleep a little bit louder. Talked to him about a half an hour ago just to make sure his phone was working. Trainer Jeff Greenhill will be our first guest, and he was just in the winner's circle celebrating a $40,000 maiden win over at Hoosier Park. You're going to find uh, Jeff pretty interesting if I can get him to talk. He says, uh, down in Alabama, sometimes yup is a full sentence. So we'll find out. But Jeff, very interesting guy, uh, graduated from Auburn. Uh, he was a chemical engineer. He was able to take early retirement at 38 years old and retired and has turned into one heck of a horse trainer. Uh, his stable includes uh, two horses that won stakes over the past three weeks. Uh, he's very savvy about getting in the state program, but he's also a guy who can keep older horses rolling. I mean, he had uh, El Bamba run until he was 13, winning on his 100th start, and he had another horse by the name of TK's turn that was a track favorite uh, on the Ohio-Kentucky circuit who won six in a row as a 10-year-old. So that'll be trainer Jeff Greenhill, and, of course, our ace handicapper will be Ed Meyer. Some very uh, interesting, strange, uh, and almost sad news in some respects comes out of Lexington, Kentucky today. Uh, it looks like Churchill Downs has cleared a huge hurdle uh, yesterday that uh, it looks like they're going to get the September dates uh, next year live, which means those dates are probably going to come off the table uh, for Turfway Park. Uh, we're not sure exactly yet what the dates are and what's going to happen what they're saying is that Churchill hopes to capitalize on the typical good weather that they have in September and hoping uh, attracting you know big horsemen and fans. Um, of course, they're going to be able to give away uh, much bigger purses uh, than, than Turfway's been able to offer in the future. We don't know what will happen with Turfway since they're owned in part by a uh, casino company, which might be able to infuse money into the track. It uh, looks like Turfway may have its live schedule cut nearly in half uh, from 81 days this year to 45 next year. Boy, that is going to be tough on a lot of people, a lot of good friends of mine. 
horsemen, uh, people that that work at the track that make their living uh, over there. Of course, uh, in the Cincinnati area, so many people go back and forth between uh, River Downs and Turfway. Uh, it's certainly going to change the landscape, and it also means that there probably won't be a, a full circuit in Kentucky. It always seemed as soon as one track closed, another one opened, and you were able to kind of go into that circle down there in the bluegrass. So uh, let's uh, hold still and see what happens, but it sure looks like... Uh, Churchill Downs is uh, going to get their way, and uh, it's going to be kind of tough on the, the folks at uh, at Turfway. Also, uh, some news. Uh, as you recall, two weeks ago we had uh, Mark Simon on the show here, the former editor of the Thoroughbred Times. Well, they did finally have that bankruptcy hearing this week, and uh, from what I understand, uh, Norman Ridger did actually show up. A lot of people didn't think he would, and... Uh, as they were leaving from the uh, hearing room to the elevator, uh, Mary Simon uh, followed them and uh, kind of gave him a uh, one-fingered salute on the way out. A lot of good people uh, out of a job there at the Thoroughbred Times. I, I hope that somebody comes along and picks up the magazine. It was a great magazine. Again, it'll go into bankruptcy court. There'll be lawsuits back and forth. Uh, we'll find out. All right, well, all good things must come to an end, and it uh, looks like uh, if we look across the ocean, the mighty Frankel is set to run the final race of his amazing career when he'll go in the Quipco Champion Stakes, uh, Europe's richest 10-furlong race that'll be held at Ascot on Saturday. That race will cap three years of unbelievable achievement where he's won all 13 starts, including the last eight of those starts being group ones. Uh, he's not going to get out uh, easy, though. Some, some nice horses are going to be in there. Uh, he's trained by Sir Henry Cecil and uh, has been quite a horse for Cecil, who has been fighting cancer this year. And it, Cecil himself says that uh, he... The horse really helps him get through so many hard times. But again, this is not going to be any kind of walkover. Uh, you bring in really good horses in from, from Germany. Aiden O'Brien's going to have some top horses in there. The uh, Group 1 winner, uh, uh, Rada Yasana, in there. And of course, uh, Frankel's uh, uh, speed horse, his rabbit, Bullet Train, will be in the field also. So, uh, we're going to say goodbye to Frankel. Sad to say, we're never going to get a chance to actually see him race in the United States. It uh, would be pretty amazing, though, if he went out uh, with yeah, a perfect record over there racing against the best in Europe. Well, Frankel's not the only horse that won't be making the trip to Santa Anita for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, that's right. Uh, Well-known Mike Rapoli says none of his horses for this year's Breeders' Cup that are eligible are going. He could have had as many as six starters in the Breeders' Cup, including Stay Thirsty for the $5 million Classic, but he said he's not sending any horses to California for this race of the Breeders' Cup, mainly because of the Lasix ban on two-year-olds. He, of course, is very outspoken, and four of the horses that he was going to send were two-year-olds, and like he says, he says, uh, I'm a pro-Lasix person. It's the one drug that could prevent a horse from bleeding, and it, and it helps a horse. And he says, uh, what's it going to be like handicapping this race? He says, it's not fair to the fan. You're going to be handicapping uh, five two-year-old races with horses that almost 99% ran on Lasix their whole careers, 
and uh, now they're not going to have it. He says, how are you going to handicap that? You might as well just box your uh, Social Security number. So uh, very interesting there from uh, Mike Rapoli, who will not be sending his horses. Of course, uh, back in 2008 and 2009, when Santa the Breeders' Cup, the track was synthetic. It's since been switched to dirt, but that is not going to change his mind. So uh, very interesting. It would be interesting to see what does happen in those two-year-old races. Well, out at Santa Anita, uh, some good news uh, right now. Tyler Bays, as you know, uh, he's uh, had some problems. Uh, he'll, he'll turn 30 uh, on tomorrow. Uh, he just got back from a 13-month suspension for failing to take a breathalyzer test at Del Mar back in uh, September 2011. He's reinstated, as we'll look at the stakes uh, recap. Uh, he had got back and rode there. Right now he is uh, still in a 30-day in-house treatment program, but he says it's all behind me, and it looks like uh, Jeff Mullins is even going to ride him on one of his uh, Breeders' Cup horses. Uh, Turning the clock back, uh, Bays, who's from the famous horse-riding family, uh, was the champion apprentice of 2000. He's won over 1,800 races. Uh, He did have some other problems uh, after he suffered an eye injury when a horse reared back on him. Uh, of course, you may recall his cousin, Michael Bays, who tragically died uh, from a drug overdose. So this, this kid's been a lot, and we're really going to kind of hope that Tyler Bays can uh, can make, make a comeback, and it sure looks like it. It looks like he's got the support of a lot of really good people. And, uh, well, Another one bites, another one bites, no, another two bite the dust. Uh, creative Cause, who's a top three-year-old, will be going to stud at Adri for only $15,000. Interesting, there's no mention in any of the releases exactly uh, what the, the, the hitch in his get-along is. He was uh, second in the Santa Anita Derby this year to uh, I'll Have Another, and uh, Creative Cause is going to get a lot of backing um, Governor Jones says that he will be sending some of his finest mares to him. So a creative cause will be on the breeding farms in Kentucky, and uh, we'll find out where Algorithms, undefeated, he's retired to stud too. Now, he did have uh, an announced uh, injury in that he had aggravated a uh, splint bone early in his training, and it looks like uh, he was given some time off. He was back in training with Pletcher, who said he was one of the best three-year-olds he'd worked with, um, and he really had high expectations of him. And another very, very well-bred horse that's going to be uh, off to the stud farms, exactly where we do not know. Uh, we did lose the stallion. Uh, the Queen's Plate winner, uh, Nijon, only 11 years old, was having a fantastic season at stud. And uh, he... Uh, he passed away up in Canada, so he was just starting out. Too bad we won't get a chance to see more of his babies. All right, well, we had uh, Rich Nilsson on with us last week, top handicapper in the country, always in the contest. Let's take a look at the races we looked at. Uh, we started out with an interesting race, uh, five and a half on the turf, the Buffalo Trace. And the Buffalo Trace, well, went to a horse by the name of Madam Geary. Now, Madam Geary, uh, who's been racing primarily on the East Coast, is trained by a guy named Cam Gambolotti. Does that ring any bells out there? I hope so. Should ring a big one in the Kentucky Derby, 1985. Spend a buck. Madam Geary lasted over 
founding by and sensible lady. Again, that was in the Buffalo Trace, and if you've never been to their distillery, I'm telling you, you got to go tour it. All right, the uh, QE2, the Queen Elizabeth Challenge, they thought it was going to be a rubber match between Center Court and Stephanie's Kitten. That's not what happened. Xavier Castellano put Day at the spa on the lead, and they never looked back. Slowly increasing speed just about at, at every point of call and repelled the entire field. Very, very impressive. Day at the spa. What a season. Currently, 5-4-5, trained by Chad Brown, a daughter of City Zip, who might be known for uh, siring more speed horses, gets the distance in the QE2 at Keeneland. Well, uh, not only was it uh, a windy city in Chicago for the Hawthorne Derby, it was a rainy city, and two months' rent got the job done. The uh, connections of two months' rent thought that that long stretch would definitely favor. This is a horse you couldn't even see for most of the race. As a matter of fact, if you go back and look at the replay, you could tell that uh, even the track announcer was having a hard time seeing. It absolutely poured, but the race did go off on the grass. Turning for home, it looked like uh, Bill Matson's horse film shot had the biggest shot of winning. Looked like he was cruising to a nice lead, but up by a head with Jesus casting on, it was two months' rent getting the job done in the Grade 3 Hawthorne Derby. Uh, film shot held on for second over the favorite, Leah. And then, uh, let's see, at Belmont Park, we didn't handicap this race, but it was the Athena won by La Cloche, horse who was reunited with Junior Alvarado. He's had the most success with this horse, and he got that mare home, the daughter of Ghost Zapper, taking that horse, that race at a mile and a 16th at Belmont uh, Arena Elvira would have been the favorite if it went on the main track, but she scratched out. Then, of course, it was the Knickerbocker, and we got to see a favorite win. It was Boisterous, horse for course. Man, is this horse like Belmont. Seven starts on the Belmont track coming into this race with four wins. We'll make it five for eight now. Finished full of run. Boisterous gets the job done by two lengths over C. Toby and Tubi, I believe is how you pronounce it. And then we talked about Cam Gambolotti and Spendabuck, and we handicapped the Spendabuck handicap at Calder, a mile and a sixteenth. Had a couple scratches in there. Rich's top pick, Gourmet Dinner, ended up getting scratched, as did Casbah. The winner... The horse that Rich picked second, so if you went to his second pick and a horse that we both really liked, a horse for course and for distance, the now horse Cash Rules, trained by David Fox, at the distance, now 5 for 7, at Calder, now 7 for 12. Cash Rules, if you're at Calder and that horse is going to post, I strongly suggest you get to a window. Uh, At Calder, again, it was uh, another one of those uh, days where we emphasized uh, state-bred programs. We'll be handicapping uh, the Charlestown Classic later in the show with Ed. Um, this was the day to highlight the Florida bred. And how'd you like to claim a horse for 16000 and come back and win a $300,000 race? Well, that's exactly what Frank Calabrese did. He claimed Verso Averso out of her first race. She's a daughter of Circular Key. i got to believe that this is his first crop 
So uh, he always was a very well-respected horse. I know Ed Meyer was a big fan of Circular Keys. And Versa Versa, an easy win off a $16,000 claim to a $300,000 victory. Now, that was the girls' edition. That was the My Dear Girl. In the In Reality, which is the boys' edition, it was uh, Angel Serpa getting Speak Logistics home. Uh, trainer Eddie Plessa had kept most of his horses on the East Coast. This horse made two lifetime starts at Monmouth and then brings the Florida bread down and takes the $300,000 in reality, again, uh, the series of uh, Florida races, uh, you can check them out. And there's also a series of races for the Calbred. This is that time of year. They had the best of Ohio last year, and we'll soon have Jeff Greenhill on, who won one of the best of Ohio races. And out in California, they had their kind of California Breeders' Cup last uh, week. And the, uh, the winner of the Bob Benoit, named after a great photographer, was Monument. Martin Garcia in the saddle. Another case of a jockey fitting a horse. The two times he had ridden Monument, the Colt won both of them. Didn't ride him the third time, didn't win, but got the win in the Bob Benoit. And then there was the Labamon, and that was the race in which Tyler Bays made his return. It was Lucky Primo at 5-1, to one, getting the win in the newly named Lava Man. So congratulations to Tyler Bays. We wish him none but the best. That was a $175,000 race. And um, in the California Cup Juvenile Phillies, it was tilled. Anytime she's raced against Calbreds, that's three times she has come home a winner. Rafael Bejarano was in the saddle there. And then, of course, we keep talking about uh, big days at big tracks. Well, up in Canada... They had the Canadian Championships, and it was uh, the the E.P. Taylor Stakes. None less than nine foreign-bred horses. So you want to call it an international day? It certainly was. Well, the E.P. Taylor uh, went to Siomia, who uh, was was an Irish-bred, and last raced in England. And then for the actual international itself, the winner was Joshua Tree, an Irish bread that had last raced in France. All right. Well, those were the big races from last week, the races we covered here on Winning Ponies. Right now, I'm really looking forward to talking to a guy I've gotten to know over the years and had the pleasure to spend an afternoon with uh, this week. His name is Jeff Greenhill. He is uh, the working man's hero. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. 
Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with, with me now is going to be a guy that I, I told you at the top of the show, he kind of been flying under the radar, but the way he's been winning races this year, uh, the bleep is getting louder and louder. Uh, his name is Jeff Greenhill. He hails from Alabama. You'll hear that in his voice. Uh, he loved horses as a kid, even though he didn't grow up on a farm or anything. He said outside of mom, I think horse was the second uh, word he, he learned as a kid. Um, then he got involved uh, after graduating from quarter, uh, from college, uh, hanging around quarter horses. Again, uh, Jeff uh, graduated as a chemical engineer, was able to take retirement early at 38, if you can believe that. And how about a start? He wasn't just going to step into uh, the, the game without knowing what he did. Started out hot walking for Hall of Famer D. Wayne Lucas. And under the shed row with him at that time, D. Wayne's assistant was Dallas Stewart. And the foreman was one Mike Maker. He went on to groom for Pete Vestal and learned from the bottom up as one should. With me right now, a very excited guy since he just got out of the winner's circle, taking home a $40,000 pot over in Indiana. Jeff Greenhill, how are you? I'm good, John. How about you? Uh, I, I'm fine now that, now that I'm talking to you. You know, uh, I, there's so many different ways I, I can a, a, approach this this interview. And it seems to me like you seem to be doing everything right. Now, I know you're in a zone right now, but as you know, I've watched you throughout your entire career. And th- there's so many things that you do right. I really think you've got to start writing a book and hand it to people that want to become trainers. Because one thing I've always admired about you as a trainer, Jeff, is the fact that you keep your owners informed. Uh, I, I know trainers that uh, you know would just say, "Look, just pay the day rate and show up the day of the races, and I'll take it from there." Uh, you, you have a really good ability to communicate with your owners. The other thing I really like is that you offer, I believe, just about every horse you have for partnership to bring other people into the game and that you retain a part of the horse. It's not like, hey, here's your horse and I'll train it for you. Uh, I believe people can go to jeffgreenhill.com. What is it about your approach to the game that I think uh, makes it really engaging for new ownership? Well, anymore, it's not really the sport of kings unless you're at the just the top echelon. It takes... Most people can't afford a racehorse, but they can afford 10% of a racehorse. And I love, I love getting people involved because the more people in the winner's circle, the happier. The more win photos you have to order, just the feedback you get. 
like I told you, I think off the air, when you win a race, my phone explodes. I think I won this race tonight, and I may have had 12 texts before I got back to the barn. When you lose a race, it's dead silence. <laughs> but that's the way, I mean, that's the way it is. Everybody loves a winner, and I love getting people involved, and I love getting them, uh, keeping them informed because that's the fun. I mean, this you don't want to just be left out there and send a bill every month. That's no fun. So I let them know when their horse breezes, how, what I thought of the breeze. I give them a little, I let them know when their horse is in. And then after the race, I send a little synopsis of what I thought about the race. And then, of course, we do send out videos after every win called Winter Winter Chicken Dinners. And they've become a, a, a real hit with uh, the owners. Well, it really is. Uh, for our listeners to know, once they once they sign up with you uh, at, I believe they can go now to jeffgreenhill.com. I know you've been uh, rehashing your website. Uh, it's kind of fun. You'll turn your computer on, and all of a sudden you'll see winner, winner, chicken dinner, and there's a picture of the horse, a little story about the race, and then you click on that, and you can watch the video. One thing I always enjoyed about uh, uh, being involved in, in your organization, if I can call it that, Jeff, it was the fact that even though I may have only had a part of a horse or two, you felt like, you were part of the whole stable. And, again, that's something that you've done, uh, I think, as far as being able to make owners feel comfortable and kind of a whole team concept. Yeah. We actually call it a, a family concept. Every, the owners pull for other owners' horses. And, like, those texts I got tonight, the majority of them were probably from owners that didn't even own that horse. But uh, they're just happy to see the stable do well. And, and we do try and foster a sort of a, a family type atmosphere come to the barn see your horse you know it's not the kind of thing where i don't want to see my owners come to the barn i love to see them come to the barn feed their horse some carrots and and uh watch them work and answer their questions about how i feel their horse is doing well but believe me i've been in this game long enough to know that you sad to say are in the minority, and I really hope that uh, trainers will understand, especially in this age of, of tight money and uh, fewer horses, and uh, that this is the way that you've got to approach it. Now, you probably were listening earlier in the show, but I had to announce that uh, both uh, Grade 1 winner Creative Cause and uh, Algorithms, uh, who were you know shining stars early in the season, three-year-olds, are have being retired and shuttled off to the breeding shed. You have quite a reputation for just the opposite. You, you had a great horse that we all loved uh, in the Midwest called El Bamba, a horse who ran until he was 13 years old when he won on his 100th start. That was fantastic. And then there was kind of the house horse, TK's turn. You kept this horse going and going uh, until he was a 10-year-old, and I believe he reeled off like six races at that at that ripe old age of 10. Jeff, what is it you do to, to keep these horses together? Because quite frankly, El Bamba and TK, they weren't one of your stakes horses. No, no. And, you know, I don't know if it's as much me, but when a horse gets to be that age, they've already proven their sound. And or they don't ever get to that age. Sometimes I just say some horses have better synovial fluid. I mean, it and it, evidently the way they traveled doesn't bother them. And so, you know, I'm not saying if I train gemologists and I'll have another that they would be running longer. I've just, I've been lucky enough to run across some older horses that 
were sound, but we work hard to keep them sound. I mean, you know, I've got some really good grooms, and if if they get a pimple, you know, they I, I, I tell people the thing I like to hear least is a groom step out of the stall and say, Jeff, you want to come look at this? Because <laughs> the answer is, no, I don't want to come look at it, but I'm headed that way. And uh, so it's the kind of thing where we stay on top of it every day, look at their legs, look for heat, look for feeling. And if they need to be backed off of, we back off of them. We don't, you know, we try not to squeeze the, the lemon dry. And, well, and I can testify to that because I saw one that you were, took back to the farm uh, earlier this week. Now, uh, you, you seem to have a, a great system going as far as your your selection of, of yearlings, uh, you seem to get a good bang for your buck. Uh, you, you don't, you know, you obviously don't have the deep pockets of uh, Sheikh Mohammed. Uh, but uh, tell me a little bit about your selection process and yearlings, and and then how you uh, kind of evaluate their worth and offer them to your partners. Well, we we go and look for the athlete. I, truthfully, I don't even want to look at the page and be swayed by the page. My buddy Chip Muth and I go to that back ring at Keeneland or the back ring at Fazy Tipton, and we look at it, you know every horse that walks by, and then we we usually are kind of on the same horse because we're looking for a horse, as Chip likes to say, that everything moves forward on. They're you know you're looking for confirmation, and but primarily you're looking for something that looks like an athlete that's well balanced. You know, stands over a good bit of ground, has a nice long neck to him. I love long necks. And uh, I think Dwayne Lucas used to say, uh, you look for a horse that's got a head like a princess, a, a butt like a washerwoman, and a walk like a hooker. So <laughs> that's, uh, and we've been really, we've been really lucky and fortunate in that we have paid modest amounts like that horse that won the best of ohio last weekend we picked him up for seventeen thousand. the horse that broke his maiden at prescott downs i think we gave 23 four now that sounds like a lot of money but believe me when you're playing at keeneland you're buying late in the sale when you're spending those kind of that kind of money because early in the sale they're bringing half a million and that sort of thing yeah, I'll tell you what though. You told me a little bit about the about the story and and about uh, you know Chip saying, "Hey, I found this real kind of you know athletic looking thing." Though he you know doesn't hasn't been brought up uh, as, as a hot house rose, and and that turned out to be silver tongued. And the greatest thing is that he he asked what you were looking for. He's saying, "Well, it'd be great if I could get an Ohio bread." You guys looked down in the book, and it turned out that silver tongued uh, was an Ohio bread. You, you've had amazing success with state-bred programs, Jeff. Uh, explain how you approach that. Well, state-bred programs are, obviously, you're not running against those heavy head Kentucky horses. And the purses right now, the state-bred programs are better outside of Kentucky because Kentucky really doesn't have a state-bred program. So, this race tonight in Indiana Downs was two-year-old maiden special weight Indiana sired horses. It was a $40,000 pot. Now, on top of that, because we bred the horse and we own the horse, we get another, I don't know, 40%. In other words, we essentially won the entire $40,000 pot because once we get to 60% for winning the race and the breeders and the owners, 
it comes to about $40,000. And then in Ohio, the program there has been depressed because of the purses for so long. So if you can pick up an Ohio bread, you know, for just a little bit of money, he doesn't have to beat a whole lot because uh, there are just not that many of them out there. There might be 100 Ohio bread two-year-olds out there. So if you get one that can run a little bit, it's uh, you're going to make some money. The Indiana program, I'm rambling now, but the Indiana program, I've got a filly out of a mare that you used to own part of named Pay the Toe. She's still a three-year-old, and counting her breeder's in- incentive and the money she's won, she's won, out, won off almost a quarter of a million dollars, and she's just a three-year-old. Yeah, there's a lot of upside. Is it uh, ain't she a saint or she ain't a saint? Ain't she a saint? But most people who are around her too long uh, for long call her she ain't a saint. But uh, she can be a little bit of a handful. Well, I'm, I'm sorry I was one generation away from owning her, but I'm glad to know that uh, that Pay the Toll, I've seen some of her other babies are, are looking, and i got a feeling they're going to do well for you in the future. Well, again, Jeff, I want to make sure I got it right. It, it, it is jeffgreenhill.com. Is that your new website? Right. That's it. Great. Well, I encourage uh, Winning Ponies uh, listeners to, to go there and to check out because uh, you, you put a plan into motion, uh, sh- shortly after you were 38 years old, you walked away from a top profession as a chemical engineer, and I only see you getting better and better every year with the thoroughbred you train, Jeff. Well, I appreciate it, and rub just a little bit of salt in the wound. It was a pay the toll colt that won tonight, or again. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, as soon as I get these college loans paid off, I'm getting back in business with you, my friend. Uh, we'll be looking forward to that day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Jeff Greenhill, a a trainer in the Midwest. And let me tell you, you've got to see this guy's schedule. Actually, I think he asked some owners that instead of a day rate, just to pay him by the mile. Because if you watch Jeff in a week, he can easily, within a three-day span, have a horse in Indiana, a horse at Turfway, and a horse at Presque Isle in in a three-day period, sometimes in a two-day period. And to be honest with you, he doesn't just uh, stay in the tack room and send them up with somebody. Jeff gives the personal touch, takes those horses himself, and gets them there. A pretty amazing individual, Jeff Greenhill. And another amazing individual is going to be joining us here in just a minute or two when we bring on Steady Eddie Meyer to break it down and do some handicapping on Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike? Maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure. Whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker, be sure to tune in to Backpacking America's Trails with host Rob Maureen. We'll explore some of the most fascinating places on Earth. In addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
make it to the track, you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, the man that passed the baton to me a little over a year ago and who pinched hit for me while I was out on the Oregon Trail uh, last month, and that's the only person that I really admire this much in racing, and that would be Ed Meyer. Steady Eddie, how you doing, my friend? Good evening, John. It, wait a minute, is it only in racing or is it just in life as well? In life as well. I, okay. I, I ad, admire you. It's good Good to hear your voice, my friend. Yeah, well, by the way, I, I talked to uh, Jeff Greenhill the other day. He did say, give a shout out to you. So you, you're remembered fondly by what guy I think is one of the best trainers out there. You know, you you... You really touched on something. Since I've actually been around you and, and watched Jeff train each and every year, John, it seems like he just ratchets it up a notch or two. Really does. You know, I you know I think it's one of those things. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Yes. And plus, he rubbed it in on you that you actually missed out on a couple of nice ownership options. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, owned the mare, paid the toll. Who who was a nice allowance horse, but uh, decided to get out of the syndicate because they I could have stayed in when they retired her as a brood mare. And I'm like, no, man, I'm as tired as a brood mare. I'm out of here. And now uh, she's got uh, ain't she a saint? And this horse that broke its maiden tonight, and it has a yearling and a weanling. I saw both of them earlier this week. They look great. So. Oh well, that's that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. So listen, you were down uh, at, at, at Keeneland the other day. Uh, How did you do? Yeah, John, I'd, actually, I did pretty good. I, I'd like to say that you know this has been one of my most glowing meets, but I'd be lying right through my teeth. I, I really think this has been one of the toughest meets to handicap in years that I can possibly remember, but actually did pretty good. It was they ran a little truer to form and uh, kicked off with Oriana Rossi. And uh, she, uh, I know she was, she plied her trade at River Downs a little bit and, and uh, took it to the next level. And after that, I had a few winners, had a great day. And, and if Keeneland's not on your bucket list, please put it on. Yeah, I have mentioned that to the, to the listeners of, of Winning Ponies. Also, I don't want to belabor this uh, this point, but I've got to talk to you because I know you're very close to the situation. Uh, the, the news that, that that came out of Kentucky today that uh, that Churchill looks like they're going to take over the September dates uh, in Kentucky. What's your quick read on that? You know, it's it's going to be really tough on Turfway. Uh, they, they've they've seen a lot of good days and bad days, but boy, they have really taken their their uh, share of standing eight counts. This is a really really tough blow. We never want to see as a domino theory. We never want to see a track go down because for the short term game that you're going to enjoy at another track, they will come back around. It will face someone else. 
we knew in Kentucky, we actually, the word was that it would always be Ellis Park because they were so far removed west, but actually it turned out to be Turfway Park. They're now facing quite, quite a tough meet. They're not going to have September, which was tremendous. February, eh, it's, it's mixed, but it's still part of the winter racing. John, I'm really concerned about the horsemen. I mean, right. where are they going to go? I don't know. I, as you know, we're both friends with a lot of them. Uh, them and every, everybody from the starting gate crew to the guys in the jocks room. Uh, I'm not right. sure where they're going to go. Now, I guess, uh, you know, who knows if the lucrative purses in some of the other states like Pennsylvania and, and New York uh, will draw some of them away. But on the other hand, that's getting crowded, too, because so many people from Kentucky have already bailed to those states. I, I am really, really shocked, but it, it surprises me, but it doesn't. Churchill Downs is a top-notch operation, and, John, they didn't put in that multi-million-dollar light uh, installation to light up the Louisville skies for only three or four days a year. They're going to run right into the college program of the University of Louisville. It's going to be a spectacular time for Churchill. I, I'm glad to see that the, you know possibly they're going to be able to retain some Kentucky horsemen, but I do worry about the, the guys that actually call Turfway their home. Now, I don't know if you were listening earlier. I'm going to switch gears here to Breeders' Cup, but Mike Rapoli says he could have had six Breeders' Cup starters. He's not bringing a one of them. First of all, he doesn't like the east to west. He doesn't feel horses do well, but he could have had four two-year-olds in the two-year-old races, and because of the Lasix ban, he's not going. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are on the fence. Pletcher's now taking the uh, – I think he's trying to take the more – a politically correct high road and just saying, let's wait and see. Maybe they're all on the same page. I think it's going to be a little bit of an acid test for many. But, John, as, as a man of horse racing, I mean, just not from the betting end of it, from understanding, I was reading about Lasix. Is it true that they lose, could lose up to 15 pounds with a shot of Lasix? Uh, I'm not a vet, but uh, I've, I've had them on the show, Ed, and they, they do not see the upside to this. They just said, look, if, if your kid had a fever, you'd give him medicine, right? If you know a horse is going to bleed, give him the medicine that's going to stop him from bleeding. You know? Agreed. And now, now there's, all sorts of, uh, there's all sorts of rhetoric back and forth. I, I think it's, it's going to be under great examination, and then by next year uh, it's going to be in full force. Uh, I, I hope it goes up without a hitch. Well, we'll find out. I, I do find it interesting that uh, everybody points to Europe and says, well, gee, you know, they don't race on Lasix over there, but as soon as a European horse comes to Canada or the United States, they're racing on Lasix. Yeah, it's, it's ironic. We don't need it until we actually get here, and then they do tremendously well. I, I'm still of the wait-and-see attitude. I'm going to remain positive, but the Euros do well on the West Coast. I would have thought the, the sunny sunshine would have really made them sweat out. But, John, they, they really hold their own out there. Yeah, and from what I understand, there's going to be uh, a, a slew of them coming. Too bad Frankel's not going to make it. He's making his last start on Saturday. Well, uh, if you, on Saturday, by the way, Ed, are planning on going to Keeneland, get there a little bit early. This is going to be the one and only bluegrass doubleheader of the meet, meaning that Kentucky football is going to be playing. They're going to be playing Georgia. So the place will be packed. But if you enjoy people watching, it'll be a great place to be, and that's where we're going to go for our first couple of races here handicapping today. Sounds good. I'll put my red Georgia hat on right now. <laughs> oh, man. Don't do it, man. They drink too heavy in the parking lot before they go in. On the other hand, you're a pretty, pretty big man. I might not be taking a pop at you, that's for sure. <laughs> Lead us on, my friend. All right. Well, uh, 
One thing about Keeneland is they, they don't have to run too many short fields with the purses they, they put up. And uh, they had so many entrants in the Pin Oak Valley View, which is a grade three, mile and the 16th on the turf, that there were enough good three-year-old fillies out there that they had to split the race. So uh, it gives us a, a lot to, uh, to handicap here. Again, uh, the Pin Oak Valley will be run on Friday. Correct, and and it's going to be, actually, John, I'm going to be there, and I'm I'm really excited, and one of my favorite riders on the weeds is going to be in race number seven, the Pin Oak Valley View, and that's Javier Castellano. He's got cosmic energy at five to one, but he also has pianist, and you would think that maybe he's there for pianist, but I'm going with cosmic energy right here at five to one, Javier Castellano, Timothy Hills, New York trainer. The New York runners have really been doing well this year down at, uh, down at Keeneland, like they do each and every year. But this 3-0 filly by Unbridled Energy, John, is coming off a three-race win streak. Her damn Cosmic Secrets has had five starters and five wins. I think you could probably speak more to the bloodline end. But for me, I think that that's a very powerful damn end of it. And they're running the distance, and Javier Castellano only wins 25% on the turf. Uh, not bad at all. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, pianist, who may be my pick in the Valley View coming up next. Uh, but you've got a horse in here called Medellina, who just ran second to pianist in the uh, given stakes at Belmont Park over a yielding turf course. Now, there are rumors about some moisture going to be in the air over the next 24 hours in this part of the country. I, I've got to think you've got to give this horse a look, four to one with Rosie up. I think Rosie's doing tremendously well. I was on my way in the other day, ran past this beautiful redhead. She was on her phone. She put it down and said, hi, Rosie. Good luck to you today. She is about as professional as the day is long. Love Rosie and the way she rides. I'm a big fan. But it is going to be a 30% chance of precipitation, but it's going to be 57 degrees, John. I think uh, the way that turf course holds up, I think they'll be able to take some moisture. Again, a very, a very uh, tough uh, field in here uh, going up against Cosmic Energy. Another one that uh, I think d- deserves a, a look, uh, certainly as well-traveled, is Colonial Flag, who's been all over the country as a three-year-old, trained by Michael Matz. And uh, you got Joe Rocco, Jr., who won uh, the uh, Buffalo Trace last Friday up. She's a real nice late-closing type, and once again, her damn silk and sapphire, four for four, two stakes winners and three turf winners. Everything she tosses out there is a rocket. And you're getting six to one. So the three horses that I agree uh, really uh, could use some play here, Cosmic Energy, five to one, Metalina, four to one, Colonial Flag, six to one. That's a nice payoff in any man's exacta or trifecta, I can tell you that, Ed. We we could probably buy a few adult beverages with that, couldn't we? <laughs> you know we can. All right. <laughs> the, the, the second half of, of the Pin Oak, um, I'm seeing three horses in here that sure look alike. They are extremely consistent, and they like the turf. Where they don't look alike is that I'll go in, in line. Pianist is a speed horse. 
Freedom Rings is absolutely, uh, it must be related to Silky Sullivan, doesn't run until the last eighth of a mile as a closer. And then you've got a real nice stalker in leading astray. And all of these horses, again, uh, have been on the board in the majority of their starts, if not all. Um, you know, it, it, I'm having a hard time separating them. Don't tell me you've got a horse other than those three that you're betting in here. You know, I, I, first off, I think you touched on the right point. There's plenty of pace in here. So that, that leads to a lot of questions. But the last horse that you actually mentioned, and I'm a big fan of this barn, and that is Team Block. Chris Block is the trainer of the nine leading astray. Eddie Perez is in from Chicago. The only drawback is the Chicago horses haven't been doing well, but you know, John, they don't know where they're at. I don't <laughs> think they can read a map by my calculations here. This filly can fly. I went back and took a look at the grade three pucker up, and I mean, she came just as fast as lightning right out of the ground. Eddie Perez really fits this filly very well. She's had six starts, five wins in a second. You really can't slide her. She's by belong to me. She won the uh, grade three pucker up. She is an Illinois bred. I love Chris Block. Chris Block is a monster turf trainer, and every time he ships, he wins 30% of the time. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you what, though. Again, this is going to be a very contentious race. If you go back uh, to a race before the Hatouf at Arlington Park, only a nose behind was the late-closing Freedom Reigns, uh, the Irish import. So this is going to be one heck of a race. Uh, again, these horses, uh, Pianist, probably the favorite, currently listed at 9-5. to five. Freedom Reigns, 8-1. to one. And leading astray, a horse that both Ed and I like at six to one. Yeah, we might be able to uh, box him up and get a few adult beverages. Well, I'll tell you what, I got to pay the freight here, Steady Eddie. Let's take a little break, and we come back. We're going to go to another contentious race at Keeneland, the Grade Two Lexus Raven Run. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
And with Ed Meyer, we've been talking about a couple races at Keeneland that we just handicapped for you tomorrow. Now we're going to move a page forward and go to Saturday's feature, the Lexus Raven Run, a grade two race at seven furlongs, a, a distance I always find very interesting. It's, it's not exactly a sprint, but you're certainly not stretching out too far. And uh, there's some really interesting horses in here, uh, a horse that uh, one of our former guests on Winning Ponies has an interest in, and that would be Sweet Cat, who was third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies last year. She's going to be switching from turf to poly for the first time in her career, uh, but she's won close to a quarter million dollars for Todd Pletcher. And while mentioning Todd Pletcher, Ed, we talked off the air, I find it very interesting that John Velasquez is riding for Wesley Ward instead of Todd in the Lexus Raven run. John, when you touched on seven furlongs, for me, I've always thought it was a rider's race. Like you said, it's not a sprint. It's not a two-turn mile or mile and a sixteenth. Seven panels is a, is a distance all unto itself. For me, I love nothing but the 11, Gypsy Robin, three to one. Johnny Velasquez, not riding for Pletcher, sealed the deal for me. Two for two at Keeneland. Three for three on synthetic. I'm telling you what, this gal loves the oval. Went back, I took a look at the April 15th race in the Beaumont where she won by three and beat Sacristy. John, I believe if you get three to one on Gypsy Robin, early and often you should be betting. And if I'm wrong on this one, I will buy your dinner at Red State Barbecue. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we both take the shortcut uh, to <laughs> Keeneland and you go buy uh, the old Red State BBQ and nothing like their smoked brisket sandwich Mm-mm-mm. but again <laughs> it is giving too much yeah. free sponsorship well I, I mentioned sweet cat you know the question there is a you know the transfer from uh turf to poly i'll tell you what they won't be holding anything back i understand that this horse uh will uh be going in the Fazic tipton uh sale along with the spinster winner that the same outfit owns uh, i think that the uh the, the horse that kind of scares me a little bit in here is uh, Latia, and again, while not ever a Keeneland winner, has raced four times on synthetic tracks and has come home with all four of her lifetime victories. That's pretty tough to slight. Uh, I'm still going to lean in my direction, but I'm out of respect. I'm boxing yours because there is no way I'm letting it get away. And I also have some extra ammo. Your good friend Jeremy Plunk has brought up some really good points, and you touched on the one horse. The turf to the poly has been ultra-powerful this meet. Oh, has it? Okay. Well, I like to hear that. Uh, i I, I got to guess if, we're, if you're going to round out you know, and throw another horse in for the try, uh, you got to go for horses that like poly. Throw out the last race of Lot 11, who tried the main track at Parks, and go back to Lot 11's synthetic form. She has six lifetime victories, five of them on a synthetic track. Can't beat, you can't beat that with a stick, John. <laughs> well, I'll try not to. Well, you know, we've we kind of been traveling around. Last week it was Canada, California, and Florida that had their, uh, their state-bred you know, races, and uh, Ohio. You know, all of them had kind of their in-house uh, 
Breeders' Cup uh, races, shall you say, their State Breeders' Cup. And this week, it's the turn for West Virginia. And I decided to go with the West Virginia Breeders' Classic. And why not? Half a million dollars up for grabs. And this could be a rematch of last year's race. You've got Russell Road, who ran first, Black Belt, who ran second, but I also found a young upstart in here on the outside by the name of Lucy's boy, Bob. This horse has never been worse than second, Ed. Nine lifetime starts, seven victories. Can the youngster upset the veteran Russell Road, who's a millionaire? I guess you could say he's West Virginia's cat launch. That's a, that's a pretty good analogy there. But there's one there, and I do respect your outside horse, how about the two black belt with Terry Houghton? Gerald Bennett is the trainer. And if you go back to last year's race on October 15th, right behind Russell Road was black belt gaining ground at a very solid price. I'm taking black belt and Russell Road, and I'm going to push the exacta box button as many times as my finger will allow. <laughs> well, they, they ran they ran one, two last year. You know, again, when you get to the state-bred programs, one thing I like is you're comparing apples to apples, and, and you get to see a lot of horses that, that have run against each other. And, you know, the name, uh, you know, Russell Road and Black Belt uh, keeps popping up. I, it looks like that they're just, you know, an edge above some of the horses that look like they ran in the, the prep for this race in uh, Remy's Command and uh, lively reparations, uh, horses like that. But uh, it'll be fun to watch to see what this kid, uh, uh, Lucy's Bob Boy, can do. The thing is, this race is a mile and an eighth, and you're asking a three-year-old to go against older horses. I know he's going to get a nice break in the weights of four pounds, but I just don't think uh, he's in the league with Black Belt and Russell Road. I have to agree with you. Agreed. I'm just going to box him, and I'm tossing you in because I will not let you get away from me because you're a quiet handicapper. <laughs> yes, I am. Well, listen, Ed. We got we got uh, we we got we got two minutes left here in the segment. You know what it's like, Matt Widener banging on the window over there saying, "You got two minutes. Don't get me in trouble." Um, just uh, give me give me your vista of of the, of the sport coming into the Breeders' Cup this year. I think that. You should have been actually starting your, your handicapping a little while ago, but now you should be in full swing. Actually, there was a blog that I put up, John. The Breeders' Cup site is kind of like a one-stop where you can go back and take a look at the contenders in the races they've run. I am not about – I think the great Tom Lamar once said it. I'm going to make my determination about five minutes to post. I'm definitely not done handicapping for uh, Breeders' Cup Day. And if you want a great place to begin, take a look at the Breeders' Cup site. It is tremendous, as it always is. But this year, it just gives a little more zing and zang. I I think when you get out of that site and you close out, you're going to start formulating some opinions. Well, what I try to do in the Breeders' Cup is treat it like it's an $8,000 claim at River and not get all caught up in the hype and everything that I've read. I almost think you can overanalyze it a little bit. But we'll find out. We'll get closer, and uh, hopefully I can get you back on the show uh, uh, to get your input. And, again, I'm, I'm, I'm up against our final break. Ed Meyer, thanks so much for being on the show tonight. It's been a pleasure, John. Best of luck to everyone. 
All right. Well, I want to thank uh, not only Ed, but Jeff Greenhill. Outstanding individuals, both of them. I uh, have the honor to consider them both very close friends of mine. Well, that's it. Don't forget, go on Winning Ponies. Pull out their great products because they're going to give you a slew of winners. We hope we gave you a few tonight. Overlooking the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. When you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.